3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians from the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders, past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning and welcome to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Today is Tuesday the 24th of January and it is 7am. You're in this uh, studio here with me, Carnegie, Fung, Jasmine and Ivka. Morning, everyone. Good morning. Morning. Hello. How is everyone? Great. (laughs) Absolutely fantastic. Did anyone do anything fun this weekend? Oh, like trying to remember. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard to recall. I went to the boiler room um, event, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, Some really great performances there. TJ PGZ. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I feel like you're always at some amazing music thing, Jazz. Oh, I try. <laughs> <laughs> there definitely seems like there's a lot going on um, around the city at the moment with, you know, the Australian Open, all these, mm-hmm. like, music gigs. Lunar New Year. Lunar New Year. Yeah, happy Lunar New Year, everyone. Oh, happy yeah. Lunar New Year. Uh, the city was going off on the weekend. As was Footscrew. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I, I think I mentioned to you last week... I got a giant apple. Yeah. Uh, for, for Lunar New Year. It's really impacted you, Jasmine. That was truly the highlight of my year so far. <laughs> you can only I get better, that. right? <laughs> are you supposed to eat it? Well, my sister and I are trying to work out how do we consume it? Do we just slice it up and serve it with tea or mm. bake a pie? Ooh. I don't know. Mm. If Fine. anyone has any suggestions, <laughs> please call in. Call in. <laughs> please reach out. <laughs> Um, all right, well, we'll stay tuned to find out what happens with Jasmine's apple. Um, and we'll be right back with the news headlines after this. Tell us what to do Then they push us around And then they have the goal To go and rip off the ground Join 3CR from 9am to 4pm on Thursday the 26th of January for our annual Invasion Day broadcast. 3CR's First Nation presenters will be broadcasting live from the Stop the War Treaty Before Voice rally and march in Melbourne. We'll be bringing you black and deadly music, news and views from activists across the continent with grassroots politics that you won't find anywhere else as we discuss genocide, sovereignty, treaty, pay the rent, deaths in custody, truth and justice and the law of the land. So keep tuned to 3CR on Thursday, the 26th of January, 2023. You're on 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Uh, news headlines this morning. Um, Victoria... 
will be ending public drunkenness laws and the existing offence will be decriminalised in November this year. They will not be replaced with any new arrest powers for the police. This law has historically had a disproportionate impact on Aboriginal communities and April Day, daughter of Tanya Day, who died in custody after being arrested for being drunk on a train, has welcomed the decision along with many other Indigenous representatives. Um, just a reminder that on the 26th of January, Invasion Day, this Thursday, there will be a dawn service and this will be held at King's Domain Resting Place um, on Linlithgow Avenue from 5am and will go till 7am. Queensland's First Nation Justice Officers' powers are concerning and inadequate, advocates say. Queensland's new officer lacks the independence and power to effectively reduce incarceration rates, um, many justice campaigners are saying. Late last week on Friday, three people um, faced... Uh, it was announced that three people will face Perth Court, charged with the murder of Indigenous teenager Cassius Turvey. And the Right to Know scheme, it was announced yesterday, which was trialled in 2016 at Tamworth, Narrow Street, George and Sutherland, will be extended statewide if the coalition wins the state election, which will mean that people in New South Wales will be able to access their partner's violence history online with the disclosure scheme. In other news, it was reported late last week that um, Victoria will stop outsourcing health care um, for women prisoners to a for-profit company. Um, so he- health services at Tarangawa Prison in central Victoria will be taken over by Delkai Health, which operates um, both Castlemaine and Malden hospitals. Um, the shift uh, that the organisations providing health care in the women's prisons uh, it means that, sorry, the organisations providing healthcare in women's prisons will now be accountable to the Minister for Health um, as opposed to the Justice Department. Um, and this change has um, been advocated for by the Victorian Aboriginal um, Legal Service. Um, we'll be hearing from Narita Waite later um, this morning. Uh, but in response to this news, um, she said that this is a momentous first step towards bringing healthcare in prisons in line with healthcare in the broader community um, and that prison healthcare in Victoria is in a state of emergency. Um, so we'll be keeping you up to date with what happens in this space there. Just a reminder as well that in the lead-up to Invasion Day, VALS is hosting a panel discussion about the child protection and youth justice systems, reversing colonisation and ending Aboriginal debts in custody today. Um, this will be a Zoom session from 12.45pm to 2.15pm and we will include the registration links in our show notes as well as our Instagram stories this morning if you wanted to register. Just wanted to quickly um, let listeners know that the uh, webinar discussion today will be moderated by um, Narita Waite and will feature Cece Austin, Tyson Lovett-Murray and Tarnine Onus-Williams. Uh, Victoria's state government has quietly axed its annual Australia Day parade. Instead, Victorians will be able to partake in activities that exhibit respectful reflection, togetherness and inclusion on the 26th of January. The interest in the parade has been dwindling over the years anyway, and Invasion Day rallies have been gaining traction in recent years. Thousands of First Nations people and allies use the protests that will be 
held in Melbourne and around the country to commemorate 26 January as a day of mourning and survival. And on that note, um, just letting our listeners know that the Invasion Day rally in Nam will begin at Victorian Parliament House at 11 a.m. this Thursday. Um, and at the Sydney Maya Music Bowl, uh, there will be the Share the Spirit Festival gates also opening at 11 a.m. with heaps of incredible artists playing. We will share information on all other Invasion Day events happening across Victoria and Australia in our Instagram stories and in our show notes. So make sure you're following 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. And if you can't make it to um, the Invasion Day rally, please tune in to 3CR. Um, we'll be broadcasting live from the rally as well as um, yeah, playing audio from the archives on Thursday. All right. Well, we'll be right back with um, some great interviews and clips from earlier shows right after this. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children aged three and four can access 15 hours per week of free kindergarten. In a kinder program, children learn through play, art, music and dance. Qualified teachers create culturally safe places for Aboriginal children and families. Koori Kids Shine at Kindergarten. Find out more at vic.gov.au forward slash koori-kids-shine. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. A 3CR supporter. St Kilda Festival is back in 2023 with two days of summer fun, Saturday 18th and Sunday 19th of February. Saturday kicks off with a celebration of First Peoples artists, including Christine Arnu, Jem Cassadaly, Dean Brady and more. On Sunday, the party takes to the St Kilda streets with hoodoo gurus, Yothu Yindi, Confidence Man and heaps more. Free and all ages, see the program at stkildafestival.com.au. St Kilda Festival is a 3CR supporter. We're going to play a track for you now, and this is The Children Came Back by Briggs featuring Guramal and Dwayne Everett-Smith. I'm 
Bob Nichols, I'm Jimmy Little with a Royal Telephone. I'm the world champion, 68. Boy, I'm Lionel Rose. I'm William Cooper, I take a stand when no one even knows. I'm the walker, I'm the sounder. The children coming home, boy, I'm Goom. I'm Macho, I'm everything that you ask. I'm everything that you count. I'm the dead hot, hot, I'm Goom. I'm Macho, I'm Goom. I'm Macho, I'm Goom. I'm Macho, I'm Goom. I'm Macho, I'm Goom. I'm Les Briggs, I'm Paul Briggs, I'm Uncle Ringo with all them kids, I'm Uncle Buck. Everybody loves me, ain't number lot, ain't none about me, I'm the carving out of every sky, we on those flats, that bit about you now, Mr. Act, think about me and you, we feel the same, and it might sound strange, but I'm just saying, we both unsettled when the boats came, I'm Goon, cool. I'm much, I'm everything that you want, I'm everything that you can't, I'm the dead hot, hot bitch. With Marissa from Doing Time and Narita Waite from Vows. Narita discusses the harm caused by the tough on crime politics and the alternative plan for Aboriginal justice in Victoria. They discuss how the government is dragging its feet on prison reform and discuss what prison abolition would look like. We'll also have a chat about this afterwards. We're going to be speaking now with Narita Waite, who's a proud Yorta Yorta woman and CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, and she's been at Vows for almost a decade and has a vast amount of experience as both a lawyer and social justice advocate. And we're going to be speaking with Narita about the plan for Aboriginal justice in Victoria. And the Victorian election is coming up, and also there was a Four Corners show last Monday, which actually had some really, really disturbing footage of young people, particularly Aboriginal children, um, in Western Australian prisons. Hello, Narita. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Martha. It's so lovely to have you. Narita, yeah. I'm just wondering if you could just... Um, I, I know I always ask you this question, but it's so important for listeners to be clued in. Can you just tell us about what land you're from? Yes. Um, so um, through my maternal grandmother, um, I'm Yorta Yorta, and through my, my maternal grandfather who's still alive. I'm not in Jerry, but I've um, grown up on Wurundjeri land here in Melbourne. 
Beautiful. Thanks so much, Marita. Now, could you talk about what's going on with the plan for Aboriginal justice in Victoria and some of the things that the legal service would really like to, to do or implement? Yeah, so, um, of course. So, as um, Marissa, we've had many conversations, I think. Um, so, it, it feels like a number of years, but I might be wrong about the fact that just too many of our people are dying in custody and each of those deaths has a ripple effect through our communities, which creates a wave of grief and trauma that passes on through generations. And our plan for Aboriginal justice in Victoria is about combating um, that stem of trauma and grief to create better outcomes for all Victorians. Uh, because tough on crime politics has not made our community safer. Um, it's caused a lot of harm and it destroys lives, families and communities. Victoria spending on prisons and police is absolutely ridiculous and unsustainable and doesn't deliver on public safety or outcomes for communities. And those billions of dollars wasted on prisons and police could be so much better spent on secure housing, excellent healthcare, education and work that actually pays the bills. Um, and Zales' plan really comes from almost 50 years of experience. Um, we've always had a strong connection to our communities and we know Victoria's legal system. So our plan is really based on our clients' stories, their experiences, their voices. Um, and we hope the politicians will listen to us and commit to putting our plan into action because, frankly, we're the only people who have a plan for Aboriginal Victorians in terms of justice. And in that plan, what we're asking them to do is some really simple things. Building Aboriginal legal services our people deserve, bail reform, raising age of criminal responsibility, police oversight and accountability, independent detention oversight, no more prisons, and a public health response, public intoxication, and a future for our kids, um, because enough's enough. And if people want more detail on the plan, please go to our website at bail.org.au to read the plan. Um, it's really simple, um, really easy to read, and I think really tells the story of what we need as a community. Absolutely, Narisha. And, and I, I really hope that you're also looking after yourself, because you, you do a lot of really wonderful work there. You know, it's, it's not easy. Um, Self-care is really important. Yeah, look, we try, um, but at peak times like this, or we've got an election and you rock, um, it's all about getting through. And we get through because we want to make the best outcomes we can for community. And that means just pushing a little bit harder during those tough times and then easing off the pedal when you've got those lighter times ahead. Narita, can I just ask you one last question? Okay, can we talk about corruption and abuse in prisons? Because I think that's... Not there have been so many reports about corruption and abuse in prison. And, Very you know, good. even in regards to what happened with Veronica Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been no secret, Marissa, that for quite some time we've been pushing for independent detention oversight system in Victoria that's culturally appropriate for Aboriginal and Torres Strait people. Um, because as you've seen in that report, and you've also cited Veronica Nelson, and there's many more, um, when a person is deprived of their liberty, they still have a right to be treated safely and humanely. There was no humane treatment in the way those little boys were treated. There was no humane treatment for Veronica Nelson. And there's just too many examples of torture and abuse when people are deprived of liberty in Victoria. And we need to shine a light on these places. You know, three Aboriginal people have died in Victoria's prison in the last 12 months, which adds to 520 
Aboriginal and Torres Strait people have dying in custody since the Royal Commission of Death in Custody, which was, what, 91, 90? Um, and until we put in those oversight mechanisms, that accountability and that and really ensuring independence and transparency, you will not see meaningful action in this space. Um, and we've really dragged our feet because we signed up to OPCAT in 2017. Um, we didn't meet our deadline in order to implement the independent oversight mechanism. We asked for an extension. We're about to pass that extension because our systems and our governments just really don't want to do the work because really, if they do the work, they have to address the systemic problems that prisons create day in, day out. Absolutely. And, and, and in fact, what, what's actually quite appalling as well, Nareja, is that IBAC found that corrections officers had used excessive force and conducted strip searches that breached official policy um, in regards to one incarcerated person with an intellectual disability. I mean, what's with that? Yeah, well, that's not uncommon. Um, that's, that's incredibly typical. In fact, there's a matter going before the High Court at the moment um, in relation to um, strip searching. The Court of Appeal decision wasn't that great um, or favourable. We're hoping for a better outcome in the High Court. And um, particularly women um, suffer, suffer horrendous trauma um, when going through strip searching because, as you, I'm sure, are well aware, many of them have uh, histories of abuse. Um, and events such like that are very triggering. Um, and for me, uh, you know, day in, day out, all we hear through our specialist practice um, in Wirraway are stories of abuse from corrections officers, from police officers. Um, there's people who have coercive power um, over vulnerable people. And, you know, for me, it's not really, Marissa, just about independent oversight. It's also about saying no more prisons. You know, they just don't work. They don't rehabilitate people. Um, they're inherently violent and corrupt places. They're unaffordable and irresponsible and from an economic point of view. And um, we just, we're not getting anywhere with them. What we need to be doing is creating, you know, processes and systems and support networks in community so that people don't get to that really hard, desperate place that often leads them into incarceration. No more prisons, indeed. Narita, thank you so much. I mean, really, people need to be on country, you know, not, not in prisons. They need to exactly. be with their families. that's where they heal. Um, and that's why you see um, where those pockets of investment are and those place-based responses, fantastic outcomes. Because when people are connected to culture, kin and, culture, kin and family, you know that that's where their strength lies and that's what's going to make them heal and create a better future for themselves and for generations to come. So before that interview, we heard the track The Children Came Back by Briggs, and that interview was a discussion with Marissa from Doing Time and Narita Waite from Vows discussing justice and bail reform and abolition. Um, we were just going to have a chat now, just reflecting um, that interview was... Um, conducted quite some time ago now and whilst many of the things they did discuss have remained the same there have been some positive changes Um, in fact something Carnegie announced earlier this morning regarding public drunkenness law changes yeah um, just as I said this morning uh, you know there's been a really important 
change to public drunkenness laws, which, as we know, have historically impacted Aboriginal communities at a far, far greater rate than anybody else. Um, and the decision has finally been made to not um, to, to not replace those laws with any new laws, not give the police any further powers in this regard. There's been a bit of a there's been a bit of a backlash from the police union, as one would um, expect, I think. But um, overall, I think it's gaining a lot of support, um, and ever since, especially since the really unfortunate death of um, Auntie Tanya Day, it's been uh, far more in the media has gained far more traction across media outlets, mainstream media, and I think that, you know, finally, as we're seeing from um, April Day, Tanya's daughter, as well as um, lots of other Indigenous elders and um, politicians and just Indigenous people across the board, um, everybody's really supportive of this decision, and it's hopefully going to lead to more really good change in this space. Yeah, hopefully this is a turning point. I mean, I don't want to be too optimistic, because you know, things like Jasmine, you were saying, like not a lot has changed. Um, but this is um, a positive step forward. So we'll see where it leads. Um, I was reflecting on something that kind of you, you would have remembered we spoke to um, Dr. Chelsea Wadigo in two years now. Mm. And something that she said that really stood out for me was, you know, a lot of these laws, like we've said over and over again, they... Um, disproportionately affect people from First Nations communities. Um, And she was saying, or she was sort of putting it out there, you know, why do we have to wait for people from communities to die in order for there to be change? Like, it shouldn't shouldn't have to be this waiting around. It should already be, you know, there should be change already. Um, And, you know, as soon as these laws are changed or passed whatever needs to happen like it will be better for everyone it's not just to benefit a single community ends up benefiting everyone so and that's actually another thing um dr chelsea wadigo said um she said if you want to know what's best for the community think about what's best for first nations communities and you know that it will benefit everyone and that's really stuck with me as well but then, yeah, the onus, so it's not just like the tragedies that mm. um, are required for any change to happen, but then the onus, you know, is put onto grieving communities. So April Day, the amount of work that she has done and has fought tirelessly whilst grieving, you know, the death of her mother because of these laws is just outrageous. Um, and, you know, as Narita was saying in that discussion um you know, our communities are always mourning and grieving and, and through that, yeah, we're just constantly also having to challenge laws and policies that are designed to fail Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just for people listening, remember that there is a, um, a webinar today um, being put on by uh, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Um, it's online and I believe it starts at 1245 um, and it's sort of like a pre-invasion day webinar um, where a number of people will be discussing um, uh, the criminal justice and child protection systems 
um, reversing colonisation and ending Aboriginal deaths in custody. Um, so please go along to that. Um, something else that was discussed in the uh, interview is, you know, and something that we've talked about time and time again on the show and also on 3CR are bail laws. Um, you know, something that was designed to, I guess, make it harder for certain people to um, apply and, and be granted bail has, of course, just affected um, Indigenous women and women in general, keeping them in the prison system, um, making it harder for them to break out of that cycle. And um, and we've heard last year from people from the Homes Not Prisons campaign that this is just such a harmful law that affects um, so many people who um, don't deserve to be there. Like, it just catches them on a technicality, which is yeah. so um, devastating. It's just, I feel like all of these things just make it so clear that the systems are built for and by men and white men and so when you see that you know they these types of laws are, like the bail laws and the public drunkenness laws they don't take into account all these other communities that make up society and then that's who it disproportionately affects each time and we mm. just see it time and time and time again and exactly right we shouldn't be waiting for unnecessary horrific tragedies before making change or before starting to campaign for change I think it was nice at the end um, Narita talking about you know what does abolition look like and it sounds pretty nice you know <laughs> it's it's a care-centered approach it's a community-centered approach and it's something that focuses on rehabilitation and particularly when she was talking about our young people um, in the youth justice system. It's just like these are babies that need to be cared for, not further traumatised. Um, and I think, you know, going back to what you were say saying about Dr Chelsea Wadigo, you know, if we do centre First Nations people and consider the needs of First Nations people, it is going to have this um, ripple effect through our communities. Um, and I think, like, that, that abolition, abolitionist approach is already happening in somewhat to in a like on a smaller scale mm -hmm. in terms of like communities out there who are practicing that, you know, that care um, that that comes from within. Um, so I think it's definitely possible. I feel like it's already happening. People, you know, it's, it's hard talking about abolition because I think so many people think that it's a really difficult place to get to. And it does require, you know, destroying a lot of the like laws that have just continued on from colonisation. But I think, yeah, like you said, Jasmine, like look to First Nations communities who are already practising that, that sort of care and that kinship um, to look after each other. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting, like black and black communities just know from being over-policed here, you know, in America, um, they just know there's a complete innate distrust of the police and they come together as a community. And I feel like you, you, it comes from such a place of knowing and I feel like a lot of other people come from this place of like ideal um, kind of hope that they're here f to protect us, which is not the reality. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely need to be learning and being allies to 
to the communities being affected and being over-policed every day? Yeah, I think particularly for allies, this um, webinar that's on today, it's going to be so important to watch um, before coming to the rally because I think many of the themes discussed, particularly at this year's rally, Mm. are going to be so relevant to what's discussed in the panel discussion and just give people, I think, a bit of context. Definitely. Um, Such a privilege that these people are dedicating their time this week to sharing that knowledge as well. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, we might take a little break um, and we'll be right back with a song right after this. This summer, tune into 3CR's Disability Day broadcast, Rest is Survival. 12 hours of programs by people with disabilities. Conversations about rest as a necessity for survival, the ways disabled people are habitually denied both rest and income, reflections on disabled rest and joy, disabled Indigenous anti-capitalist features, and much more. All the audio is available to listen back at your leisure at 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2022 or find the podcast by searching 3CR's Radical Radio on your favourite podcast app. Stay locked to 3CR. We're going to play a song for you now. This is the title track from Thelma Plum's 2019 debut album, Better in Black.
and that was Better in Black by Thelma Plum. Listeners may recall that last week, activists protested the desecration of Burt Peninsula rock art by spray-painting the Woodside logo on the Frederick McCubbin painting Down on His Luck. Perth ceramicist um, and illustrator Joanna Partika and Baladong Nunga man Desmond Blurton said in a statement they had defaced the painting to draw attention to Woodside's ongoing desecration of sacred Murudruga rock art at the Borup Peninsula, more than 1,200 kilometres north of Perth in the Pilbara. Idwin from Earth Matters um, spoke with... Uh, Madandera custodian Raylene Cooper from the Save Our Songlines campaign against overdevelopment of the Murudruga in Burrup Peninsula, Western Australia. The campaign has been vocal against the Woodside Scarborough gas plant and more recently a proposed urea fertiliser plant. In this interview, Raylene details the campaign, discusses solutions for the region and talks about the need for proper consent and consultation with First Nations people in any development across so-called Australia. And this interview originally aired in October 2022. My name is Raylene Cooper. I'm up in the Pilbara, Western Australia. Um, and Save Our Songlines really didn't originate to be to what it is now. It was um, Its intention was basically to um, put awareness out and we had to put, you know, some sort of title on what, what we're trying to do and it was basically to save the uh, connection and songline on our ngura of our history. So that's kind of how that started. Could you tell us a bit more about the place for those of us who aren't locals? It's uh, the world's um, largest art gallery. Um, it's it's uh, to us, I guess, a, a, a little more personal um, as it's a history of our ancestors and our old people and, you know, um, the whereabouts of what they were doing, what they were doing there, where they had their meeting sites, where they had their birthing sites for the women, um, their law and cultures, very strong. And it's, we still continue to practice our law and culture. It's a very spiritual and sacred area for us. Um, as I said, it holds a lot of history. Um, and in saying that, it's also um, a national park and the conservation areas in a lot of areas out there because of protected species of animals that um, a, either have already moved from the area or they have um, become extinct from the area, of, obviously with all the industrial projects that are already exist on there. So it doesn't help the situation. However... It's a beautiful place. Um, the islands, surrounding islands, um, with the aqua green water. Um, we have the whales coming and going. Um, Rosemary Island is one of the islands that um, have the one of the turtles um, that are very rare, the leatherback. They come and lay there, and turtles from all over the world come to nest in Rosemary Island. So it's a beautiful, majestical place, yeah. And the landscape is just red rocks and blue oceans. As a campaign group, you guys really kicked off with opposition to the Scarborough gas project. Can you tell us a little bit about the project and the creeping development in your area? Yeah, sure. Well, obviously, once I sort of had a full informative um, advice that was given to myself and a couple of other family members of what was actually happening with the Scarborough project and what was it detailing, I mean, we simply knew of this Scarborough project or the Browse Hub project Um you know, a few years back, um, but then there was not much talk about it. Um, but in saying that, um, once we got, a, you know, we're informed of, you know, how this project is and what it entails and 
you know, a, a detail of what was actually going to happen, it was like, no, that's not going to happen at all. And there's no way we're going to agree to this project. And quite frankly, um, had we been informed such information prior, I don't think anyone would have agreed to it if we had made those decisions and approved those. But in saying that, um, the Scarborough project is obviously, um, uh, Scarborough Gas is the project that was um, declined um, at the James Price Point, that the James Price Point people had won that battle with Woodside uh, BHPs over that. It's actually that project now they're wanting to put it and extend from here, the Pluto project um, on the Burrup uh, Dampier Peninsula here. So um, they also want to put a, I think it's a 450-kilometre gas pipeline that goes all the way out um, with dredging, you know, removing materials from the bottom of the ocean um, all the way through 400, yeah, 50, 500-something-odd kilometres out under the ocean and set up a, a um, gas drilling or hub, hub there. So in saying that, they also um, will be utilising some of their gas um, from this project to help Herdman with the chemicals they need to use um, to be able to produce the urea chemicals that they need to be shipped out of Australia elsewhere. So the project is is quite, um, you know, given with all the Northwest Shelf and all the other projects that are around that are already extracting gas and oil from the ocean. I mean, the dredging alone is um, going to be quite destructive given it's pretty important that you understand there's also another gas pipeline that they're going to be working next to that you know, is of risk. So we've not been notified a lot of the risk. Um, there's also going to be, in the seven years of the project being constructed, uh, 22 wells will be drilled looking for the... Um, you know, the gas and the oil produce they need. So, you know, it's full on. People don't actually understand what's going on. It's why it was quite a to know what was actually happening. And a lot of our whales, as I said, whales come through there. They have a migration um, line right through the burrup. Um, they bring the song lines in. Um, we have the turtles that come in that are very significant to our creation story. And they bring the song lines in. I mean, these animals... You know, marine creatures um, are really significant to us. They're significant to everybody. Um, and, you know, it's really important that our environment stays healthy so that our plants and animals and we, you know, they maintain us to stay healthy. So when our earth is not healthy in our environment, then we as people, humans, are not healthy. Um, so it's really, the CEO has already stated it, Meg O'Neill from Woodside, um, you know, in the years of its time, you know, they'll be um, hammering, you know, 6.1 billion tonnes of emissions in its lifetime. Like, we're supposed to be going through a, a climate um, reduction. That's what the agreement can state globally. So it's, um, you know, given that the Tiwi mob is there, I'm so proud of them. Um, you know, good on them. They deserve a, a good win to be able to you know, make that, you know, voice, have that voice, you know, their concerns and their, you know, well-being is at stake here as people, as a, as a tribe, as a community and broader, um, that they don't want development and no more because they can see, you know, the effects of the development, um, you know, what it's going to do to their water, the area where they, they source their food, you know, their natural hunting practices, 
um, and their cultural practices. And this is, you know, the fight that we as traditional custodians are facing all over this continent. Um, you know, and everyone's doing it. You know, individuals who are coming together, climate change um, organisations, individuals who are fighting for pieces of the area that's a little swampland where animals habitat in, you know, because they have concerns. Um, this is not something that it, we just feel like we want to annoy people. We're putting it out there because this is really important and people need to wake up and they need to start understanding these destructive projects are creating devastating critical um, impact on our environment um, that, you know, will potentially, will be no turning back if we don't start really starting to do something about it. We've been talking about developments in your region and Save Our Songland's most recent fight has been against the Petaman fertiliser plant. After rejecting the two emergency declarations, the government has delivered a wild card and accepted a Section 10 request, which allows for the review of an independent consult to determine if the Marujuga engravings are under threat from the project. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's gone on this year and, yeah, where you guys are currently at in the campaign? Yeah, well, to cut a long story short, it's been um, remarkable where we've gotten through um, and the achievements that um, that we've achieved, um, I guess, with this journey. Um, it all started with, obviously, um, myself sitting on the board of Marujuga, Aboriginal Corporation, I then uh, removed myself from that situation because I couldn't sort of be a part of an organisation that, you know, sort of didn't have a say, didn't really have that voice behind them to not allow industry or government to come and give me, I guess, no objection to the projects where they were able to come in and just basically start removing or, you know, relocating rock art. Um, and, you know, they're significant and they're there for a reason um, and they tell their own stories. Um, and so from that, it, it became into a personal kind of um, challenge um, to the community, to my community. I guess um, a lot of our community didn't know what was really going on. And I think, you know, our members um, and the people in the community all abroad um, need to know what's really happening and going on out there. And it just didn't seem... We were playing a fair playing field here um, with government, you know, wanting industry to keep uh, developing out there. So, you know, I guess given, you know, our obligations and responsibilities as custodians that we're there to look after, um, you know, what our old people wanted and that's look after the rock art, um, look after the history, look after the mora, the environment, plants and animals. Um, it all goes with it as part of our culture. And um, I guess that's sort of where it started. We then obviously read a, uh, forwarded a, a letter to, um, our ex, uh, Minister for Environment and Water, um, you know, with the Section 9, um, obviously in that due time, uh, a new election had come about and our current, our current government, uh, took on board the, um, challenges of our country and obviously we're in the seating with this waiting um, in the meantime, for this Section 9 to be approved. And obviously, in this time, the decision was made by our current government um, and minister that they would go ahead with the uh, project's approval for Perdamon um, to be able to access and remove the... Um, go ahead with their construction and move the rock art. Quite disappointing um, from my angle, I guess, and from my family. 
um, as this is quite important for us. Um, however, with the, you know, in between now and then, um, we'd already came back from Geneva, United Nations, and presented, you know, our concerns um, with the others that were going through the same sort of situation, um, First Nations people, um, uh, for the Indigenous rights of Indigenous peoples. Um, and in saying that, um, it was part of our culture to go ahead and, and I guess, hold the government accountable and ask the questions why, when there's other, I guess, avenues that they could take that could ease the possibility of climate change and also not destroying and having preventative measures in place where that area is protected. Given that um, Murujuga is also up for World Heritage nomination, it's, um, it's quite, yeah, it blows my mind, actually, that all this has come about. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have any understanding of how it's all come about. However, this is what we continue to do. Um, and we, you know, we're sort of out there and just bringing awareness to what's happening out there. The arguments for the urea plant have been jobs and supporting farmers through the supplying of urea fertiliser. Are these issues for the regions? I was wondering if there are other solutions perhaps that are being ignored. What's your take? Oh, certainly there's been clear other solutions being ignored. Um, look, in saying that, when you talk about, you know, jobs and that, you know, you can have a fully technical and scientific project that's there to, you know, not be able to use and utilise um, and smoke out all these chemicals um, from the chemical plant. When you talk about the urea plant, um, a lot of the fertiliser and a lot of the produce that's going to be produced out of this project it's actually all going overseas. None of it's going to be benefiting Australia. I mean, we're having, you know, our country at the moment, especially over in the Eastern States, is in turmoil um, in terms of our climate change and what critical level we're at already. Um, it's noticeable. It's real noticeable. People, you know, everyone wants change um, because it's affecting everybody. Um, and in saying that, it takes a lot of communication and a lot of coming together with some pretty intelligent people that can do it, can sit down at the table and benefit all um, in making the change. You know, they've got this urea plant that's going to be, you know, constructed and developed, you know, right there um, on the Ngura, right next to a, a, a fertiliser plant. Um, and it's saying that not even a kilometre up the road, you've got uh, Pluto and Woodside LNG project, you know, um, and it just goes on got the Rio Tinto just around the corner from there. So it's, you know, there's a few industrial projects that already exist on this sacred place and we've kind of just seen and had enough. Um, they want to build this project. Why can't they build this project, Perdamon, 15 kilometres down the road where it states within this premier agreement, it's there particularly, especially for industrial projects to be built. You know, and it's going to cost them, what, an extra $300 million to move it? Well, yeah, well, you're talking about 50, 60, 70,000-year-old ancient rock art. We don't want that to be moved. On the question of wider systemic change, we've currently got negotiations for the voice to Parliament, and we've got, on one hand, these big platitudes about a federal voice, and on the other hand, we have what's happening on the ground. What do you see as the intersection between Save Our Songlines and this larger federal campaign? Look, I really didn't know too much about it because I really sort of haven't been in the space um, in the political sense because, um, you know, I've always, there's always been such controversy 
um, in the political era um, within government and um, Indigenous people. But in saying that, look, we're getting enough support now, um, you know, I guess in governments um, with our First Nations people being a part of those, um, you know, their sectors. And saying that, you know, the voice in particular, I had switched the TV on and sort of was looking and listening to a bit of what was going on. And um, I'm just quite interested to know who exactly sits um, on this voice panel or committee. And, um, you know, and there's no, um, I guess, disrespect to any other um, Ngorra people from around our nation. Um, but in saying that, we all have different um, issues that are going in within our communities. Um, one of them over here in the um, you know, Western Australia, our biggest issues are is mining. Um, you know, and a lot of our mining is in significant sacred areas, and it's not the same as what some issues are over in the eastern states. It, there are mining going on, but not the extent of what's happening within our Pilbara region, especially and up in the Kimberleys. So, you know, I think you know we need to have some fair representation of individuals that sit um, in this space. Um, talking on behalf of others um, in their different climates and their different issues that they um, are challenging for them right now. Um, secondly, you know, um, save the song lines, you know, we we didn't anticipate um, for a minute how, I guess, big with, um, you know, this campaign has become. Um, however, you know, with the achievements that's come about, it's, it's pat on the back, uh, not only for us, for us, but for those other individuals, um, you know, around our nation right now who are currently going through the same issues and same situation, and it all comes back to cultural aspects of it and the environment. You know, people have to have an understanding that our environment and our culture are one thing. You know, from the heavens, uh, the stars above, the moon to the earth, the wind, the waters and the sun, you know, it's, it's all part of our culture. Um, and in saying that, you know, when something affects our environment and affects the way we are and the way everything reacts to the change and it's visibly happening all over the nation, um, all over the, the world globally. Um, so in saying that, we're hoping that with this Section 10, Minister uh, Pilpasek has, um, you know, assigned a Section 10 order and, um, you know, we've already um, had conversations uh, to get the to get the ball rolling and basically to get the information that's re- were required and in saying that we're hoping you know in the several months or possibly you know a year that this inquiry is being um, documented and archived um, so that there is um, a possibility standing that there is a need for protection um, out in the borough um, because it's such a significant and sacred place and it's really important to a lot of other connecting tribes um, within this continent. So, yeah, it's really important. And I guess with what we're doing now, um, we just sort of keep continuing to sort of bring awareness to people of what's actually happening out here that we're not really being told. Save Our Songlands has spoken about legislation or creating a precedent that would require the consent of First Nations people in any proposed development around the country. Is is that an aim of the campaign? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... It's um, look, we've in the time that we've been, um, I, I guess, just voicing our our concerns. Um, this is where it all started. Like you know, feeling a lot of sorrow and sadness that we nobody's listening. There's something really not right here. Um, and in saying that, we're continually, um, you know, voicing out our concerns about 
you know, this consultation um, processes that we've never experienced properly because we've, we've had restrictions against us holding us back where I had the ability to actually really state what we needed to state because of, of the influences and agreements with, within other contract parties that are involved. So it's, it gets quite complicated, yeah? Um, you know, we're still kind of bound um, to be able to freely be independent um, as an organisation and community, I guess, in, talking of, in terms of Mac and those agreements um, with governments and so forth. But in saying that people, um, you know, it's become a deceitful, um, I guess, in some opinions and points of view in the eyes of, of, of some people, um, deceitful in a way how it's happened. Um, because there's not a lot of truth that's been involved within this process as well. And um, for others to obtain, you know, something of benefit from it. And then it's just not being played on a fair playing field. Um, you know, the $220 million that state government, you know, handed over a couple of weeks ago to the state government to help this project, Perdamon, go ahead. I mean, what is that after, you know, those initial statements that are being made within the election process? Um, you know, that just is a 360. That 220 mil would have been fabulous um, for those individuals who are homeless, um, who've lost pretty much everything in the last um, couple of years with all the destruction of weather over in the eastern states there with the flooding. You know, you've got individuals who are up in the Kimberley area um, with all the fracking going on. They're losing all their, you know, their water of people, the custodians over there are losing everything. I mean, they don't, they're, they're battling to have a say. You know, we've been connecting with all these individuals who who are in need of help um, and the government's just really throwing money over where, you know, our systems, our health systems over here, let alone over in the eastern states, are going to ruin. Um, it, it's, you know, there's, there's not enough funding to do this, that and whatnot. Our health system would have pretty well needed and deserved the 20, $222 million to give them a bit of a prop up to be able to utilise and use you know, that funds to, you know, get us back into an acceptable health system in this area. You know, I mean, there's lots of stuff going on and it's, um, you know, you're wondering why government's giving that funding to a project as destructive as the Perdamon project, which is a chemical plant, given, you know, um, that, 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 that they could have utilised that funding elsewhere. I mean, what happened to the investors who were fully going to invest in this project? They've pulled out. Why? because they understand that there's something not right here. I mean, it's just clear to see. You don't have to have a PhD to see this. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Idwin Jeffrey. Today on the show, we heard from Raylene Cooper from Save Our Songlines, talking about their campaign to stop overdevelopment in the Murujuga on the Barrett Peninsula in Western Australia. You can follow them at saveoursonglines.org or on socials with that name. That was Maru Danara, our custodian, Raylene Cooper, speaking to Idwin on Earth Matters about the destruction that the Woodside Scarborough gas plant and the proposed urea fertiliser plant um, are having and will have on the Murujuga in Western Australia. If you would like to keep up to date with the Save Our Songlines campaign, please visit their website, www.saveoursonglines.org. We'll be right back with the song after this. 
In DigiTube, people, place, language. Connecting stories, culture and language across Australia. Contribute your content in digitube.com.au. Sign up for a free account and select your options for streaming. Download and broadcast promotion. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and Monaro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. Ruby Hunter was a Naringiri, Kakatha, Pitjantjaras singer and songwriter and the life and musical partner of Archie Roach. This song comes from her 2000 album Feeling Good and it's called Naringiri Woman. And I'm still here today 
with Naridri Woman. Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion, and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Auntie Sue Coleman Hasseldean is a Kolkata woman who lives in Sejuna in South Australia. She's a nuclear test survivor and outspoken advocate of Aboriginal culture and environmental protection, co-president of the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance and ICANN ambassador. We did an interview with her on the 14th of October 2022 about disrupt land forces and the importance of anti-weapons activism. We're going to replay that interview for you now. Auntie Sue is a Kokatha woman who lives in Sejuna in South Australia. She is a nuclear test survivor and outspoken advocate of Ab- Aboriginal culture and environmental protection. She's also co-president of the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance and an ICANN ambassador. She's joining us on the show this morning to talk about her activism and the ongoing testing on her land. Welcome to the show, Auntie Sue. Thank you for having me. Um, so you've spent years campaigning against nuclear weapons testing because of your own experience as a child at Kuniba Mission, where the British carried out nuclear testing. Um, you know, can you tell us just a little bit about how this impacted you and your community? Yes, um, the nuclear tests were actually carried out further northwest of Kuniba, where I was born, but um, we got the so-called Nullarbor dust storms, which were actually the radiation fallouts coming to us. The wind brought the radiation fallouts to our country and to our people. And as a result of that, you know, we've had so many cancers and deaths and deformities and all sorts of horrible, you know, medical health issues going on. We've had no answers. We haven't been listened to. And that was 70-odd years ago now. But now, today, we have a different threat for country. It's called Southern Launch. They're a rocket launching company. And they've um, teamed up with the weapons people called Thales, uh, Thales Company. And um, their aim is guided missiles, but... You know, where are they going to aim those guided missiles on our country? This is going to be the second time that our country is going to be 
really impacted just through war games, I guess you'd want to call them. But they don't seem to care. They don't. I haven't spoken to them. They haven't spoken to me. They speak to a few of our our people, and they class that as consultation with Aboriginal people. And you know, they they're just totally ignoring the people that want to save land and culture. Where, where these people are in intending to land their rockets or drop their payloads or whatever they want to do, we have sacred women's sites out there. And we've been struggling and struggling now to, to look after them and keep them, you know, as they should be kept because we work with seven sisters and um, these people don't care, neither do the, the certain Aboriginal people they talk to. They, they just so long as they've got a few people on board, they don't care about anybody else. And, um, yeah, the struggle will go on. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how, um, you know, Southern Launch are partnering with Thales, who are one of the world's largest arms sellers, and they're at this year's Land Forces Expo. Um, but, you know, instead of changing their practices or listening to members of the community like yourself who've been extremely vocal over the years, they just have been doing things like, um, you know, on their website they put up uh, reconciliation action plans that claim to support First Nations employees and things like that rather than, um, you know, make any actual difference. You know. They claim all sorts of things. They claim, you know, you see their advertisements they're playing with little kids with paper rockets. Yeah. You know, just using little Aboriginal children to further their own horrible needs. And it's it's quite sad to see little kids are so so gullible, of course. You know, they think they're having a heck of a good time with these little paper rockets, not realising that they're being used. Uh, you know, it's all about money. We understand that. And a lot of our people have never had money as such, big money. So all it needs is these people to come along and say, I'll give you a few grand and, you know, you sign this. And But what our people are not stopping to think either is that once they sell the land, they'll spend their money and then they'll look back and they've got nothing. They've got no culture. They can't have culture if they want to sell out anyway. But, you know, it's just total destruction that's going to go on. And when they destroy the land, they actually destroy us. Because we, we, we don't own that land. That land owns us. It directs us. It feeds us. You know, it does everything for us. Like on that country out the back, it's, it's our church, our grocery shop, our butcher shop, our pharmacy. You know, it's our school. We teach our kids all about surviving in the bush and about respecting each other and taking care of each other. It, it, without that land, we've, we... We're buggered. We've just got to live in a little corner of a so-called civilised world. But we need that land because our bodies and our minds, we need it. We, we can't afford to let these people destroy it. Yeah, and that's right. And we've, as you've said, we've seen the effects this can have not only on um, the health of local communities, but um, connection to culture and you know, to use those photos and, and um, you know, misdirect people on their website and create this image that's not true. 
Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's really um, harmful and destructive as well. Very. Um, here in Brisbane at the moment, at the Disrupt Land Forces, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be able to look Thalers, Thalers, I think I'm just going to call them Thales from now on, it's easier. <laughs> That's what I was calling uh, them too. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to look Thales people in the eye and the Southern Launch people and say to ask them, why? Why do you want to do this? You've got Woomera rocket range where, you've, where it's already devastated country. Why do you want to come into our country now and join it up with Woomera rocket range so that this is whole, whole heap of Aboriginal country will be unaccessible? We won't be able to go out there because it's, it's going to be a rocket range. And, you know, we don't even know what they're firing off or anything because they don't talk to us. They talk to a few, you know, CEOs and few board members and that's their consultation with Aboriginal people yeah. and this is all of them this is sales southern launch mining companies they don't want anybody who's going to say no we, we need that country for us not for you to rape yeah, and you've spoken out before against companies like Boeing and Lockheed Martin as well, who are, all make um, nuclear weapons and will be at the Land Forces Expo in 2022. Yeah, um, it's been a hard, long road, but it's, you know, we've learnt a lesson that wasn't ours you know, to start with, but we learnt from this nuclear um, atomic bomb testing the British and Australian governments did. We saw the devastation that's happened and still happening to this day. But, you know, these people are not learning anything. They just want to keep going. <clears throat> and not one of them care about the animals. Now, they, Southern Launch says that the country out the back is uninhabited. But that's not true because we're always going out on country. We don't need permission to do so. We go out, we look after special places, clean water holes, look after animals. But the animals out there, you know, they, they don't care that they're destroying them. The birds, the lizards, the dingoes, you know, that's their country too. And, and, and people like Southern Launch and Thales don't care. Yeah, that's exactly right. To say it's uninhabited is just simply not true. <laughs> Why, how can they get away with all these lies? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, you're in Mianjin at the moment where Disrupt Land Forces is happening. Um, so, you know, it's really important to that you've come on um, air this morning and, you know, br brought attention to this issue and, and told your story, which you've been telling for the last few years. Um, and you've been campaigning for Australia to sign on to a nuclear ban treaty as well. Can you talk to us a bit about why this is so important? Um, yeah, I, I, Australia, it's, but like they're, they're pretty good at saying we don't have nuclear weapons. They're about to change that anyway with their submarines. But, um, you know, we supply the uranium. Did anybody ask us if we wanted to supply uranium that was going to go over and devastate other countries? No, they didn't. They just took and turned it into, you know, weapons of destruction against other countries. But then they used weapons of destruction against us too. 
So, you know, listening to to um, servicemen that served up at Maralinga, the, the government, British, didn't care about their own people. So, you know, the Aboriginal people had no hope. If they couldn't care about their own service people, we were just there. Anyway, we were still flora and fauna up until 60-something. You know, we didn't have any say. No rights to vote. No right. We still got no rights actually to say no. Yeah, and you know, this is a really um, stark example of what you're saying, where you are someone from the land. You're speaking out. You've been speaking internationally for years, uh, and you know, like you're saying, um, the consultation is very performative rather than anything real. Not real, um, and you ask questions at any consultations, and you don't even get answered. You just get dismissed. So, consultations to me are nothing. They shouldn't even be happening. That they should just like like my old auntie used to say, "Monday Yamuruiliga." Let's leave the land as it is, and that land is there. Like like I keep saying, the future is not ours. You know, it belongs to the next generation. And the next generation wants need animals in their world. It can't be total destruction. Where what have they got? They've got nothing to look forward to. Well, that's exactly right. Um, and hopefully, you know, having something like disrupt land forces will make a difference. Um, and you know, having people like you speak out will make a difference for the next generations in particular. Um, Auntie Sue, that's all we have time for this morning. But thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and raising awareness about this. And thank you for listening. That was an interview we did with Auntie Sue Coleman Hasseldine talking about disrupt land forces and the importance of anti-weapons activism in October last year. This next track that we're going to play for you is "Damaged" by Maisha.
nothing left to lose. You're down on the ground before you realize. No one's gonna fight your fight like the way that I used to. Drown in the sound of a heart crying. Trying to bleed out a bloodline. So try to prove. Was damaged by Maisha. You're listening to 3CR. Join 3CR from 9am to 4pm on Thursday, the 26th of January, for our annual Invasion Day broadcast. 3CR's First Nation presenters. We'll be broadcasting live from the Stop the War, Treaty Before Voice rally and march in Melbourne. We'll be bringing you black and deadly music, news and views from activists across the continent with grassroots politics that you won't find anywhere else. As we discuss genocide, sovereignty, treaty, pay the rent, death in custody, truth and justice and the law of the land. So keep tuned to 3CR on Thursday, the 26th of January, 2023. You're listening to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Uh, We're nearly at the end of our show today, but we just wanted to recap um, some of the events that are coming up in the lead-up to invasion day on thursday the 26th of january uh so we've talked about this a few times already this morning but just a reminder that the victorian aboriginal legal service is putting on an invasion day webinar today at 12 45 if you would like to register for this free event uh, you can go onto their instagram page which is vic aboriginal legal service and there's a link in their bio Otherwise, um, if you check our show notes later this morning, you'll be able to click on the link and register there. So that's happening today at 12.45. And then on Thursday, the 26th of January, um, if you uh, live um, in the city of Port Phillip or are interested in attending, um, the Bunurong people, in partnership with City of Port Phillip, are hosting their fourth annual um, morning reflection dawn ceremony uh, at Alfred Square in St Kilda. So um, people are encouraged to start 
arriving at 5.45 a.m. And uh, the um, morning service will start at 6 a.m. And that will finish up at 7 a.m. And so, again, that takes place in Alfred Square um, in St Kilda. And that's on the 26th of January, on Thursday. Um, If you are unable to make the event but you'd still like to participate, um, then it will be live streamed um, and you can find uh, the live stream on the City of Port Phillip website. But again, we'll also include um, the link for you there so you can access that really easily. And then, of course, on the 26th of January, Invasion Day, there will be um, multiple rallies happening around the country. Um, but for people who are in Victoria, um, the rally will start at 11am on the steps of Parliament, Spring, Spring, Spring Street, Nam, Melbourne. Um, and yeah, that's Treaty Before Voice Invasion Day 2023. So please come down if you are able. Otherwise, um, stay tuned to 3CR um, as we will be broadcasting live from the event that day. And that brings us to the end of our show this morning. Um, we, just to recap what we had on the show today. So we started by uh, listening back to a discussion that Marissa from Doing Time had with Narita Waite, who um, is from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. And um, this discussion took place um, late last year um, in their interview. Uh, Narita discusses the harm caused by quote, tough on crime, politics, and the alternative plan for Aboriginal justice in Victoria. They also discuss how the government is currently dragging its feet when it comes to prison reform. And they also look at what prison abolition could look like in this country. After that, we heard from uh, Raylene Cooper, who is a a Madhu Donera custodian, um, and Raylene spoke with Idwin Jeffries from Earth Matters, uh, and they spoke about the destruction that is happening um, on the Murudruga in Barat Peninsula, Western Australia. Um, Raylene is from the Save Our Songlines campaign, and uh, she spoke to Idwin about... um, yet the Woodside Scarborough gas project um, as well as the um, recently proposed urea fertiliser plant and how that's going to destroy um, the sacred Murujuga rock art at the Burt Peninsula. Um, So, yeah, if you'd like to stay in touch with or keep up to date with the campaign or learn more about it, please visit their website. Again, it's www.saveoursonglines.org. We then replayed an interview that we did with Auntie Sue Coleman Hasseldean, who is a Kokatha woman living in Sejuna in South Australia. She has spent a lot of her life campaigning um, against nuclear weapons and nuclear weapon testing. She is herself a nuclear test survivor and an outspoken advocate of Aboriginal culture and environmental protection. We first um, aired this interview on the 14th of October 2022, so if you did want to check out that interview again um, or that full episode, you can do so at 3cr.org.au slash Tuesday Breakfast. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Um, Tune in again next week 
for um, Tuesday breakfast, 7 a.m. And keep it locked to 3CR, um, tune into all the breakfast shows for the rest of the week. Next up, as always, we have Accent of Women. So here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ujoma Umbinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Ayan every Monday at 2.30pm on 3CR Community Radio. Tuesday Breakfast would like to thank our friends at Living Coco for their support of the program. Living Coco puts community first by respecting food sovereignty. Based in Braybrook, they create bean to bar chocolates, cacao tea, intentional drinking cacao, and cacao mass in bulk. A zero-waste manufacturing space, Living Coco ethically sourced cacao from over 130 domestic village farms in Samoa. They are at livingcoco.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Are... 3CR would like to thank our sponsors, Earth Greetings. Cards that connect, care, and celebrate. Support wildlife and habitat with every purchase. Inspired by nature, giving back to the planet. Learn more at earthgreetings.com.au. Three CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. And while you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au.